This is Press Publish, a weekly conversation about journalism, technology, and the media business, where we talk with the people building the future of news. I'm Josh Benton, director of the Neiman Journalism Lab at Harvard, and this is episode 10. My guest today is Tiffany Shackelford. Tiffany is the executive director of the Association of Alternative News Media, which was until recently known as the Association of Alternative News Weeklies. They are the trade group for alt-weeklies in the U.S., your Village Voices, your Chicago Readers, your Seattle Weeklies, and until recently, the Boston Phoenix. The legendary Boston alt-weekly surprised the publishing world last month when it announced it was closing after 47 years. That led to a new round of concerns about the future of alt-weeklies, which have seen a lot of the same revenue declines that dailies have over the past decade. And when daily newspapers were strong, it was easy to know who the alt-weeklies were an alternative to. Now there's no shortage of alternatives to the alternative. Tiffany believes that alts still have a solid future ahead of them, particularly in markets smaller than Boston. We talked about how their revenue mix is shifting, how some alts are changing their publication cycle and becoming more heavily digital, and who are the model players that other publishers should be watching. Here's our conversation. So for someone who doesn't know what AAN is, what is it? How big is it? How long has it been around? Um, AAN stands for the Association of Alternative News Media. Up until just a couple of years ago, it was the Association of Alternative News Weeklies, which is the format most people know us as. Uh, we have about 130, well, now de- we're down one, as you've probably heard. So we're down to about 138 members. Um, and we've been around actually since, as an association, since uh, 1983, although all weekly publishers were getting together um, well before that um, in the 70s for sort of, you know, the the um, early uh, sort of co- news conferences that they used to have. That's right. Because I remember when we, we did a story on uh, the content exchange that you guys were working on and uh, g- give me a good excuse to go look through the history and see, talk, you know, all the all the content sharing and the, the sort of sense of shared united movement that so many of those early alt weeklies felt. Absolutely. I mean, if you, you know, if you know your journalism history, we were absolutely, you know, built on um speaking truth to power and being an alternative to the mainstream media, which was often corporate and not covering, you know, the little guys or the stories that, you know, were below the radar. So that has always um, united us on a, on a mission level. Um, In addition to, you know, all of our alts are in different disparate markets, but are of course completely dedicated to local. And that again, brings us together um, in a pretty unique way. So uh, you mentioned the the shift in the in the name of the 138 or so members. How many of them are, you know, how many of them publish a print newspaper once a week? Um, almost all of them. Um, we have some online only members, but just a few. That's a relatively new um, membership type for us. Um, and the rest, as a matter of fact, as it stands right now, in order to be in the in the association, you have to publish a print publication um, regularly. Some of our members are going, however, to monthly and biweekly and some some different printing schedules um, to, I think, you know, better reflect what's happening in their market and, frankly, you know, how people are consuming their content. Just like everyone else, our digital readership numbers are going up quite a bit. 
Yeah, I was I was going to ask about that because I'm from uh, South Louisiana, and uh, I have a number of friends who work at the Independent in Lafayette, Louisiana. Uh-huh. Uh, a fine, scrappy, uh, relatively young, I think only six six years old or so, uh, all yes. weekly. That recently became a monthly. Is like, c- can you quantify that? How how many how many of those how many papers have you seen making that sort of a uh, a reduction in, in publishing frequency? So right now, um, there are about three or four. Um, that have have reduced on some level. Um, the independent in Lafayette is is the you know the one that goes has gone to monthly. Long Island um, has has shifted their schedule, um, and there's a couple of others that are talking about it and thinking about it. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw more, you know, shifting more to a you know certainly everyone is actually focusing I think more on digital first, uh, you know, you don't, you hear that everywhere in the industry, but I think amongst our members, um, you're going to see more of that shift and, and even towards tablet as well. Mm-hmm. The, I'm curious about the, the online only members that you have. Can you give me some examples of, of, of who you have, the kind of site you're looking for? Sure. Um, the American independent news network is, um, or AINN, um, is, is, a is one that I like to point out. They've done a lot of amazing progressive, co- um, coverage around state capitals, um, in particular, and, and some really great investigative journalism. Um, they're looking, you know, looking at it in, in a little bit different of a local feel, but having, um, having come from the state capital, uh, world myself and state capital recover coverage. I can tell you that that is that is its own sort of local tribe in itself, and we're glad to have them, you know, covering it because not that many people are. Is there is there an ideological component component to membership? In other words, if if a Tea Party publication wanted to join <laughs> up, is that would that be fine? You know, I, I, most of our papers tend to be progressive or have a left lean, but it certainly is not, you know, a must have. Uh, we don't have a lot of tea party, you know, the Franklin center has not, has not been calling to try to get in. And I, I wonder if they would, but you know, we certainly would look at them just like anyone else. It would certainly make conventions a lot more interesting. I bet. I I think so. I mean, you know, we have great parties and I think that that, you know, adds some of that and that, that could be epic actually. (laughs) I can imagine it would spice up a few panels here and there. Uh, Well, let's, let's, let's talk a little bit about, uh, well, first, before we get to the Phoenix, let's uh, uh, tell me a little bit about, about your background. You know, how, when did you start in this job and what were you, you mentioned your, your past with state capital coverage, but what were, what were you doing before? Sure. Um, I started this job in November of 2010 and I was brought in as a change agent for not only the association, but also um, for the industry as a whole. Um, I, I shudder to use this word because I feel like it's, it's, it's done to death, but I had a background sort of as a disruptor. And um, I think that that's in some ways what they were looking for. But also, you know, I was an artsy kid and I'm a Gen Xer. So I, you know, I'm right in the, I'm right in the, the great, you know, the, um, alts are my sweet spot. You know, I am, I am their people. I, I, I've been reading them my whole life, literally. So, um, that's, that's how I ended up in the job. But previously, um, I like to say I was kind of like Barbara Mandrell. I was country before country was cool because I started in 1998 at an online-only uh, foundation-funded website called Stateline.org. It was funded by the Pew Charitable Trust, and it 
uh, covered state policy and politics in all 50 states. This was well before ProPublica was a, you know, was a household name and, and before, um, you know, when nonprofit journalism and especially online only was looked at, uh, fairly suspect. We had a hell of a time getting, uh, credentialed actually even at that point. So, um, I, I kind of started doing that. And, um, we, as I said, we covered state policy and politics in all 50 states, which I still say is one of the most, you know, important beats out there. I think, um, it scares me actually when I look around at how little there is of that. Yeah. Um, you know, in addition to, you know, local coverage and state, I think there's a lot of similarities there. Um, I helped to start and was running for a while an organization called Capital Beat, which was, um, the Association of State Capital Reporters and Editors. Um, and then after I left Stateline, I actually, uh, jumped over to a technology company because I felt like, uh, if I was going to be in online news for real, I needed to pull back the covers and really see how the sausage was made. And so I was working with an open source company called Phase Two and doing some consulting um, around technology and helping to build technology tools for publishers and for journalists. So I, I kind of feel lucky and that I got to kind of got to be on both sides of the aisle to use a terrible Washington metaphor. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, that, that's how I ended up here. Okay, and if you were brought in as as a change agent, a change agent, sorry, I can't speak. Mm-hmm. Um, so, what were the changes that that needed to happen uh, that you saw in at Alt Weeklies when when you arrived in the job? Well, I think that um, you know Alt Weeklies to begin with were a little bit slower on the you know getting on the online train, partially because they didn't have to be at first, and then um, partially just because of the nature of the industry at the time. And one of the things that I really wanted to help them do is think about, you know, how to monetize digitally, how to think about pushing their own organizations forward. And that's not to say, you know, forgetting print because print is still very much a big part of what we do. And particularly in small to medium markets, you know, we're still seeing great circulation numbers with print products and, you know, pass-throughs. And so really just kind of pushing them to think about how to compete with, you know, the online space, how to really maximize their brands. Um, And also something that I'm focusing on quite a bit is thinking how we can collaborate and get into some great partnerships with technology companies um, that, you know, we can give them a great, test bed and a great place to showcase new tools um, with a, a very nimble, you know, publisher that you don't have to worry about 17 layers with. Um, and and so it's kind of a win-win. So I've been really focused on, you know, partnerships and collaborations with an eye towards um, monetization always, because, you know, let's face it, I think, I think folks like you and Knight and and all the, you know, the great money is doing a wonderful job of figuring out what the next editorial tools are. I think there's a real hole um, thinking about where the next monetization tools are and connecting the dots between, you know, there's a ton of great tools out there and companies that are doing interesting stuff, but they have no direct way to get to local audiences. And we need to be that... um, we need to be that bridge. And I think there's an interesting opportunity here to do so. So I focused a lot on that. Um, and the other thing is just getting out our message. Um, 
You know, uh, there were way too many stories about the death of Alt Weeklies, and I'm really trying to change that story because it's just not true. You know, some of the bigger markets have taken hits, but small to medium market markets in, in my world are doing pretty good and hell better than the dailies. So, you know, <laughs> that's, that's, that's not the strongest idea to be doing better <laughs> than the dailies. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. But you know, it's, it's sort of one of those things I get tired of the eulogy when it's, you know, when it's just really not true for, a, for 75% to 80% of my members. Well, that's a wonderful transition to talk about death and despair in the Boston <laughs> Phoenix. So uh, we uh, we here in Boston uh, recently witnessed the the very unfortunate demise of a, a classic alt-weekly. Yeah. Um, other than – well, we, we can talk about the sort of size of the market piece, but uh, beyond that as well um, – what do you think were the, from your perspective as someone who watches the the entire industry, what do you think the the biggest factors were in, in leading the Phoenix to the the, the path it took? Um, when you say path it took, are you talking about just the, the the sudden close or the? I mean the fact that there isn't a Boston Phoenix anymore. Okay, well I think um, you know I think I think they 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 put a lot of money are uh, uh kind of went all in on this idea of national advertising and. Um, I think there is a place for national advertising in the alt-weekly world, but it has to be a very specific local message from a national brand. You know, uh, you, you, you could have Lowe's hardware, but, you know, if I live in Virginia, then the Lowe's hardware needs to, needs to sell me um, plants that survive in red clay, not plants that survive in sand like Eastern North Carolina where I'm from. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I think this idea of just general national ads, you know, it didn't pay out like we, like you'd hope it would. Um, and I, I, I'm not sure about, you know, that I thought, I thought myself that the glossy format was going to bring back um, more major retailers than I think it did. Um, and I'm not sure what that says about format, um, you know, and, and does that, does that art, you know, argue that, that it's, you know, we should be content, you know, or, um, uh, format agnostic, maybe, maybe not, you know, I think also, you know, yes, the size of the market and there's a little more competition. I'd also remind uh, people that, you know, Boston is a two alt weekly town. Uh, the weekly dig is, is still going and, and I think plans to, to, you know, increase its presence even more. We didn't have, you know, there aren't that many two alt towns anymore. There's San Francisco, Seattle, Philadelphia, Boston, I guess. Well, I'm not really New York because one is in Long Island and one is in New York. Um, so there is that, you know, that that's something that, that we haven't talked a lot about is that, you know, there, there, there is another one still. Um, but I, I haven't had a chance to talk with a publisher and, you know, you, you have to wonder, I guess, at some point if if he was losing money, if at some point you just throw up your hands and you say, OK, this isn't working for me, then I, I think, you know, I, I wish um, it seems like there could have been, a you know, could have been a buyer. I, I wish that it, you know, it hadn't just closed from my point of view, obviously. Yeah. You, you hate to see a storied brand, and I don't know the backstory there. Um, but I do know this, you know, every one of the other alts in the last couple of years that have been on the block have sold. So, um, 
you know, I, I would, I would argue at that point that there is, you know, there still is a buyer out there, you know, is it the, is it the cash cow of, of the, of the nineties and early eighties? Of course not, you know, but, yeah. but I think there, I think there's still, I, you know, I think Warren Buffett is showing it. Um, you know, there's a guy, the CEO of, of, of a company called Southcom, Chris Farrell, who has, has bought up, uh, I think almost eight, uh, of our alts now and, and, and other niche publications. So, you know, I think on the other side there, there is a, there is a buyer and there is, you know, still people believing in, you know, the kind of the, the, the local coverage. Um, so yeah. I, you know, unfortunately, you know, I, I have to tell you, I was as surprised about the Phoenix as I think everyone else was. So I, I don't have a lot of amazing insights on that. I wish I did. Is there, is there a, a community of, of idea, like to put it in very concrete terms, is there a listserv that all, uh, that all weekly publishers are on where ideas get talked about? Because I'm, uh-huh. the fact that it was so surprising would seem that to, you know, to you or, or to presumably other people in the field that that's, that's interesting. Yeah, there's actually, um, through the association, we have multiple listservs, um, ones for publishers, ones for management, ones for editors, et cetera. And they're, and they're quite active, actually. What was um, the mood like uh, after the announcement came? You know, I think, I think people were, were, you know, absolutely taken aback and a little, um, you know, a little thrown. But yet, no one saw it. I, I, I was concerned about, you know, what it might do to morale and I was pleasantly surprised that that not one of my publishers saw it as a death sentence by any means. You know, I, I think actually all of them, you know, thought, well, okay, this might be an interesting lesson about national advertising. Um, you know, and and you know, the other thing that's interesting about the Phoenix is that the the smaller um, of their off, you know, the smaller city papers, their sister publications, you know, are absolutely able to sustain with local advertising. Um, which, and that didn't surprise any of us. Mm-hmm. We kind of already know that to be true. Right. Um, you know, I think, you know, it's, it's one of these, these sad moments of, you know, and I think we all have it, right? I mean, we've seen, you've seen all of the, the talk in the last week or so about the, you know, the viral why I left journalism, you know, moments. And you do, you know, certainly everyone has that moment of, Oh God, it's not, you know, because the Phoenix did amazing, amazing journalism, right? Their long form stories were terrific. Their political coverage was wonderful. And, you know, you do have this moment, I think, when you're in this business, when these things happen, you know, I remember having it when, um, you know, when the PI stopped and, and uh, you know, the Colorado paper, yeah, I, I feel like the daily I'm, I'm talking about, I'm sorry, I sort of muff, muffed that up, but yeah. um you know, I feel like you have this moment of, oh, God, you know, maybe, it, you know, it's not just the journalism that helps you survive. And of course, you know that, you know, in your in your mind, but it's sort of this, this sort of uh, philosophical moment that yeah. you have, you know, when, when things like that happen. But, and I think everyone had that, but, uh, you know, it didn't, it didn't scare anyone, you know, it, it didn't. It's actually interesting to compare it to the, to the dailies, because I think, Five years ago, or you know, when when the, the recession was at was at its worst, uh, I think there was there was a group of people who expected that we would just have many fewer newspapers than we uh, daily newspapers, and there'd be large cities without without newspapers. And while that's happened in a, you know some two newspaper towns that have become one newspaper towns, and a few, and some smaller papers that have closed, for the most part, it's simp- it's it hasn't been closures; it's just been 
slow bleed after slow bleed and and newspapers you know daily newspapers that used to have a, a newsroom of 150 who now have a newsroom of 80 or something like mm-hmm. that yeah it, do you have i mean if in the daily world it's been a loss of somewhere around 30 percent of newsroom staff overall do you have an idea of what the what the sort of staffing damage has been from from you know the last last half decade or decade of decline for hours, yeah, you know, it's actually it's, it's a little bit different. What um, because you know our guys didn't necessarily staff up for digital in the same way that the dailies did, so it's actually been more like continued, you know, doing more with less, you know, doing more digital stuff with less staff, you know, less, you know, doing a lot with with not a huge staff, mm-hmm. you know, we've always been a little bit more scrappy and smaller than the dailies. So we didn't see that, you know, like the dailies did. So, so if I were to do a head count at, you know, the 10 largest alt weeklies in the country today versus 10 years ago, th- there there wouldn't be a big difference. Is that what you're um, I think, well, yeah, there would be a difference. I just don't think it would be the 30% uh-huh. of the dailies. And I'm sorry, I don't know. I don't have that, you know, that percentage off the top of my head. Sure. And some of it's kind of, you know, we're also seeing a little bit of an ebb and flow back. Um, You know, if you look at our site, we actually have, um, you know, a fair amount of openings in our space right now. So, um, you know, I think... I think we're kind of, you know, staffing back up a little bit. But you know what? I'm, I'm gonna, I'm, I'd like to know that myself, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna go research it, and I'm gonna call you back and tell you. All right, great. <laughs> and we can add it in the comments later or something. Good, good. Um, I, I'm, one thing that has shifted in the daily universe, and I, I, on one hand, I feel bad constantly referring back to it, but it's the world I know a lot better. The, sure. you know, the 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 revenue mix has shifted. Quite a bit. It used to be, you know, eighty percent advertising, twenty percent circulation. Now it's closer to fifty-fifty. What? How does how does the business makeup, the revenue makeup of it all, look different now than it did before in terms of local versus national, digital versus print, uh, advertising versus, I guess, circulation is, is zero in the vast majority yeah. of cases. <laughs> so circulation is zero and always has been zero. Although, interesting. Not always. The Phoenix used to charge. The Phoenix used to charge, and here's another little factoid for you. Um, one of my members, the Arkansas Times in Little Rock, has an extremely popular political blog, and they are um, going behind a paywall for that. So actually, we are kind of, in, in a weird way, we're actually coming back into this sort of paywall idea. It's not really, you know, it's, I think, philosophically not what some of our papers want to do. But, you know, we're we're interested in diversifying the, you know, the monetization streams any way that we can. So what um, is it about Arkansas? Because it was the the Little Rock Daily, Walter Hussman, who was the, the biggest proponent of paywalls for the longest time. I know. And now you have an all weekly that's putting up a paywall. That's remarkable. Well, I'll tell you. No I've, one wants free news in Little Rock, I guess. No, no one wants free news. Well, it's and, and, and it's not the whole paper. It's not the entire Arkansas Times. It's actually it's the political blog. Mm-hmm. So I think I think. Um, you know, my my understanding of the market is that um, Arkansas, Arkansonian, how is Arkansas, the people of Arkansas are, uh, and Little Rock in particular, are are political junkies. And they just, they can't get enough of, of you know, that civic and pol- political news, which, you know, that, that's, that's a, that's a, I'm, I have a fondness for that too. So I kind of get it. I, I think that's what I would pay for too, if I were, were in their shoes. So mm-hmm. have you seen the, the overall content mix of of alt weeklies shift i know it's hard to generalize but uh 
you know, like for example, the the, the Phoenix uh, in its last iteration uh, after when it became a glossy and mm-hmm. then something a little bit more magazine, had you know focused more on, on style coverage and that sort of thing than they had in the past. Like, is if what's what's on the way up and what's on the way down in terms of the content mix? You know, it completely depends on the market. Let me first say that. You know, certainly in a place like. Um, I'm going to say Orange County, you know, you're probably going to have more arts and culture, for instance, although, you know, certainly some, you know, civic and and political. Um, I mean, I'll also say really the alts are, are one of the last, the last places you can read about local arts and local culture. Um, So sometimes it's just a matter of our papers responding to really what's, you know, what's, what's not being covered by anyone else in the, in the marketplace. Um, and I think, you know, that, that I would argue that is one of the most amazing things about alts is this, is this dedication to arts and culture because, you know, no one else is covering it. And I think, you know, when, when we're all dead and gone and someone's looking at what we left as a civilization, I don't think they're going to look at Congress. God, I hope not. I think they're going to look at our art. So I feel like it's, you know, an important part of it. The mix, you know, I, I guess, you know, in order to really be considered an alt weekly, you have to be covering local, you know, local politics and civic life as well as arts and culture. But we don't really have a sort of look of of which one. I also say too, you know, events are are a huge part of what alts do. Um, South by Southwest, you know, the King Daddy is is from the Austin, you know, was born out of the Austin Chronicle, and I think. Because of that sort of hand in hand with doing the events themselves, you know, maybe we're seeing a little bit more push towards, you know, the local events and culture coverage. But, I'm, you know, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't be comfortable putting a percentage on it, too. And I think also just like everything else, it depends on uh, time. You know, um, Willamette Week does a lot of great stuff around their around their art scene. But, you know, they had a wonderful thing called Candidates Gone Wild. Uh, during their um, election season, and 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 put a lot of time and energy into that. It's interesting to think of, uh, you know, what alt weeklies by their by their name or alternative to something. And I think the something was always daily newspapers. But in some ways, sure. the 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 closest competitor in a lot of markets probably might be a, like an adventurous public radio station in, <laughs> in some ways, because a lot of them are investing in creating arts verticals to try and fill a void that they're seeing from the dailies sort of yeah. pulling, pulling back. Is that, are, are, are those, I mean, other than, I don't know, hairstyles and marijuana use, I don't know what the, what the, what the <laughs> correlations are between public radio people and, and all weekly people, but you know, <laughs> how, how do you see them in the mix? Um, so I often draw a triangle and, um, it's, it's on one tip, it's alt weeklies on one tip, it's public media. And on the other tip, it's this sort of entrepreneurial hyperlocal bloggers. And I feel like they're more of our brethren than our competitors. And actually I'm working on a, a couple of partnerships right now with, with folks in that space, um, and also media consortium uh, members, you know, the progressive magazines. Um, and, you know, usually in most cities and areas, the public radio arts and culture uh, shows have the alt-weekly folks interviewed every week on it. So there's um, there's a lot of really nice working together and parallels there. Um, and, and, yes, they have the same hairstyles. I mean, our guys wear leather pants and less tote bag, I think. You know, there's, that, there's that difference. But um, I feel like actually um, there's an interesting opportunity 
for you know the the public media and the and the alt weeklies to really you know own the own the local space in a really important way. I wouldn't say that the alt is the alt is an alternative to you know your local public radio because usually it's the same that we have the same audience. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's just the the format. Um, and as far as the alternative question, you know, that's that's we get that a lot. Um, and I do think in some ways it still is to the daily media, although in some in some areas we're becoming the breaking news. You know, my folks in Boise, you know, there's not a lot of um, uh, local coverage from the daily there. So they're they're taking on, you know, local breaking news, which is pretty amazing. And that's happening other places. Seven days in Burlington, Vermont is the same story. Um, so. You know, the alternative to what is is a is a fair question, and it's one we ask ourselves a lot. Um, in some ways, I look at it as maybe not an alternative to one thing, but an alternative to <laughs> being stupid. You know, smart is the new alternative, <laughs> I guess you could say. And really, you know, having um, – or you could say also the alternative – you know, we – we still pride ourselves in long form narrative, you know, amazing long form narrative. And even though, you know, the Twitter revolution happened and everyone said the millennials had no, you know, um, attention span, we're seeing the opposite. We're seeing that there's a huge love of long form among all kinds of generations, you know, with things like long reads and atavist. And so I think there's this hunger for that. So I guess that's the other possible, you know, if you want to talk about the alter, you know, things that it's the alternative to, um, you know, very much the the sort of alternative to, you know, short kind of wire-like pieces and really understanding a topic and, and telling a story that, that no one else is. Yeah. One, one major contrast with public uh, radio, obviously, is a very different business model, huh, yeah. uh, very different uh, revenue streams. Uh, I, I'm, I'm curious whether there's anything to be learned uh by alt weeklies from the public radio model, like from from a fundamental level of like, is a nonprofit model, uh, you know, something that since the civic institution nature of it might lend itself to that. It, are, are you, is there anything that that from a business point of view you think is worth stealing from public radio? Yeah, and actually, um, we already have been busy stealing from them. In love, we steal in love, um, and and we a lot of the exactly what you're talking about. That sort of you know civic uh, sensibility is is what I think is driving it. Um, there have been several campaigns: Monterey, California, Colorado Springs, Portland, Oregon, um, have been doing um, campaigns for good. You know, bringing in a ton of money um, to help the help the local community and sort of this idea of partnering and sponsorships. You know, it's obviously modified. It's not you know a sponsorship in the true you know telethon t- tote bag public radio sense, but really thinking about working with the community and bringing in money for greater good, um, I think, you know, kind of fits that. Actually, Creative Loafing in Atlanta is doing this amazing project with Home Depot um, around neighborhoods and encouraging their readers to come up with, you know, what the the best neighborhood projects um, and improvements would be, and and they'll get money for it. So almost a kind of somewhere between public radio and Kickstarter, um, is something that a lot of the, a lot of our members are are looking at, and mm. you know, again, I think you and I, you know, are in these in sort of larger markets where there's a ton of nonprofits and and do good, or you know, there's a lot of places you can give your money, but in some of these smaller um, cities, 
you know, they don't have that that huge nonprofit um, base. And I think that that the alts, you know, are, are filling a, a really important space, you know, similar to public media. Yeah, yeah. Uh, how big of an impact has it been on on the the business in in general to have the sort of the the the, blo- the loss of a lot of previous good advertising streams? You know, going back to tobacco advertising, and you know, going forward to sort of the controversies around around adult ads and things like sure. that. Like, how big of a how that that from an, from the outside that just seems like a crushing loss of revenue. Well, you know, yes and no. I mean, certainly some in some markets it, it was a it was a, a good amount of money, but you know, a lot of um of our members had had stopped taking adult ads years ago. And so they've already replaced it. Um I mentioned the the week the dig in Boston, they stopped. I don't know that they ever took adult ads. Um and they were, you know, you know, certainly uh uh beer and and spirits and lifestyle ads they they took but 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 not what you would call the traditional the sort of adult ads. Um Colorado Springs uh didn't take them. It it wasn't a good reflection of their of their market and they, you know, they have a, a, a wide swath of, of community members that are, are loyal readers. Um, so, and, you know, let's, let's be honest. I mean, you know, we'd already kind of lost a lot of that to the Craigslist of the world and the other, you know, I, I don't know all the names of the, of the dirty, uh, of, the, of the adult place, you know, it's market ad research. Places. Come on. I know. Right. I should, um, you know, so I, you know, I, I, I understand that it, what, you know, it, it obviously has been a revenue loss, but it's been happening, you know, since, since the time of Craigslist. So it's almost one that I don't consider a huge issue anymore. It's sort of baked into the model at this point. Yeah. At this point it is, um, you know, as far as, um, as far as new revenue streams, uh, you know, my guys are, are experimenting with, with, you know, all the major and everything from real time bidding to day parting, a lot of mobile ads, um, not as much tablet, because if you think about the nature of an alt, it was, you know, it was like this and it's like this in print. It is very, you know, folded under your arm and go kind of thing. So there's a ton of opportunities for us on, you know, a smartphone or a, a mobile phone. And that's a lot of what we've been focusing on. Um, and here's another thing that we've actually been able to do that, uh, that I don't see replicated in the media space very, very much yet. And that is becoming the digital agency for the, um, clients. So, um, the aforementioned Arkansas Times has actually done a great job of this. They will sell you an ad on the paper, in the paper, in the, in, you know, in their digital, but then they'll also, um, you know, run your Facebook, your Twitter feed. And for a local small to middle, mid-level business, you know, they don't have time, you know, these mom and pops, especially they don't have time to do it. They don't understand it. They don't want to. Um, so it's a great, it's a great offering for them. And it's an authentic voice. Um, or uh, Omaha is another interesting example. Um, the publisher out there is um, is actually doing reputation management online for his clients, uh, which is incredibly helpful. Or in Jackson, uh, the publisher there actually will build small websites for um, for his clients. Um, East Bay Express in Oakland, Colorado. Let me try that again. Oakland, California, has some really cool, very very um, local stuff. They've got pop up boutiques with their own line of clothing, Oakland local, and they've also done this thing. Um, 
with a with a company called Local On, and they're they're called Adlets. They're little do it yourself ads and directories with the local chamber of commerce. So you know already, I think we're really taking advantage of the relationships within the communities that we have um, to to pull in some interesting new revenue models. Mm-hmm. For for dailies, uh, they've been for the most part stuck for a few years at at somewhere in the order of twelve, fifteen percent of revenues coming from digital. Still very heavily dependent on the print. Is is it a, is that a similar range for for alts, or, or is digital a bigger or smaller part of the revenue piece? You know, it hasn't actually sort of. Uh, it, I don't. I don't have a baseline because it's all over the place. You know, it's it's as high as twenty five and thirty in some places, and as low as you know five in others. So it's it's it, the the digital to print ratio is still, uh, you know, it, it's still most you know for a lot of places, obviously, just like dailies, it's still heavy on the print side. But um, it's it's shift. You know, it just in the last two years I've been here, there's been a you know a pretty large shift. Mm-hmm. So, are who are the where are the places that it's thirty thirty five percent? The higher percentages are um, not exactly where you might think either. Um, you know, Charleston, South Carolina, the Charleston City Paper, he's doing a great job. Um, the Voice Media Group papers, um, Dallas and Houston, I, I'm not sure their percentages, but they are uh, doing some pretty amazing stuff, particularly with their mobile um, offerings. And actually, they're about to roll out some um, some new digital offerings this spring. Um, they do very well. Arkansas does very well in a digital, um, on the digital percentage and, um, the stranger in Seattle. And I I don't know his percentage exactly. Sometimes people share these things with me, sometimes not. Um, but the stranger in Seattle, I mean, obviously they're known for, um, for Mr. Savage and his, his fabulous personality, but they've also done some really innovative things. Um, they've got a ticketing service now that they've gotten, gotten into. So they'll, you know, do everything on your event from in the ticketing process, the marketing, the ticketing and the, you know, um, the advertising piece as well. Um, so their, their percentage is pretty high. And actually the Salt Lake paper has, has, uh, uh, some, some offerings that are, um, kind of digital stores for lack of a better way to explain them. And, and they're also doing very well in the digital space. I, I was just thinking in, in your answer, the one thing that maybe I wonder if it's, if it's a factor, I mean, are, are any uh, alt weeklies owned by publicly traded companies? I'm just trying to think in terms of reporting financials in the way that public companies do. It's it, it, my impression of it is, is it's still, even as it's, as chains have bought up some, some swaths of the industry, mm-hmm. they're all, they seems like they're all still closely held companies. Is that, Correct. Yes. Yes, that's true. Um, Style Weekly in Richmond is owned by the pilot company, and I I don't know if they are public or not. I would have to have to take a look at that. I do not believe they are. However, I think that's a family paper. Um, the other paper in Ohio, no, yeah, they're they're almost all they're they're all private to my knowledge. Is the other did, did I read that the other paper was closing? Did I? Yeah, the other paper is the other closure of the year. Uh. Um, the, uh, just papers I read. I used to read that when I lived in Ohio. Uh, it was a great paper. Um, not not quite as you know storied, I'd say, as the Phoenix certainly, but um, it's a great paper. It, it was bought by the Daily, and the Daily had a competitive paper. So you know, 
uh, it, it lost that battle, I guess you might say. <laughs> yeah, it did seem like there was a, a stretch there. The when I think of uh, alts that I've read, I grew up reading the Times of Acadiana in in Louisiana, which was uh-huh. then bought by the company and eventually now owns is owned by Gannett. Um, and then uh, in when I lived in Connecticut, the New Haven Ad, uh, the New Haven Advocate was was bought by, I guess Times Mirror at the time. Uh, by the folks who own the the current, although I guess it's shifted around since then. It, is there it, the, the synergies between dailies and weeklies that that at least some people were seeing back then? Is that something that's that's interesting to anybody at this point? I think so. I mean, I think I think in general, uh, you know, there's not. Um, I think in general, you know, there's there's not that sort of you know animosity perhaps that there might have been between dailies and and weeklies and. Um, I think, you know, I, I don't think we're going to get into a content sharing partnership probably anytime soon. But, you know, I, I think, um, yeah, I, th- I think absolutely there's there's just a little bit more, you know, in some ways, let's just think about the media space in general. There's not there's not that many of us out here anymore covering a lot of stuff going on. So I feel like um, I didn't really answer your question today. But. <laughs> That's all right. It wasn't that well formed of a question. Um so uh, you've, you've named a number of, of uh, alts that you think are, are doing particularly smart things. Uh, are, are there any others that, you know, from a, from a holistic point of view, that you, you think these, if I were to bet on alts over the next few years and their performance and, you know, the, you know who's going to be looking good in five years, uh, any, who, would you, who, who would you point towards? Who are the best performers, the ones that others should take as models? Um, wow, that's, you're going to probably get me in trouble, but <laughs> I'm not asking you the worst ones, just the best. Right. Ones. Okay. That's fair. Like, you know, and we'll preface um, this by I, saying it's simply a sampling. I'm sure everyone's wonderful. <laughs> I love you all. I love you all the same. Um, you know, there, and there's some interesting ones. I think, you know, obviously the voice media group and the Southcom papers, uh, you know, I would definitely bet on them. They've got great ideas. Um, Southcom's got, you know, the digital ad network that they are putting a lot of time and energy into, and they've got a really interesting sales model. Um, the voice media group, they're doing terrific, and they, you know, they, I think they get local better than anyone else. So those are my two chain, you know, the two chains that I think are, are doing great. Um, Willamette Week in Portland, I think, um, is is superior not only in content, but I think that they are really taking a, a you know a mobile first strategy, and I'm I'm really excited to see where that goes in the next couple of years. Um, and they've got a great market, you know. I I think Seven Days in Vermont is, I mean, they are so impressive to me. They are doing everything right, and I'm not. Just, it's not just me. Actually, editor and publisher just wrote them up as uh, one of the the top 10 papers to get it right in 2012. Um, Charleston city paper um, is, you know, they, they just own that market and are doing really amazing stuff digitally, really looking forward. Um, Boise, as I said, she's repositioned themselves. They're, they're not just an alt weekly anymore. They're a a total multimedia company. Um, And I think they're doing a great job. Chicago reader, I mean, they are going up in print readership uh, by leaps and bounds. And I'm, the Sun-Times, you know, a daily bought them. And as far as I've heard, they love them. Um, now, this is not a U.S. paper, but now in Toronto, um, they are doing amazing things. They they um, have some of the best tablet apps and and. Some of their mobile offerings are are wonderful, and they also have a pretty awesome event called North 
North by Northeast. Um, Creative. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, they, they, they got that idea, but it's, they're, they're doing some amazing stuff there. Um, the Gambit in, you know, one of your other old stomping grounds, I know, um, they've, they're, they're doing some, some great stuff. I would put some money on them. Um, You'd have to list all your members. Okay, no, no, but those really are the ones that I honestly think, you know, are, and of course others, but you know, those are some ones that stick out. Yeah. So put on your, your prediction cap, your, whatever that cap looks like. Uh, it's got feathers. I mean, I think, you know, if, if I, if I were to look forward at the, the daily universe five years from now, I, I, I would anticipate further sl- slowed, but continued decline in advertising revenue and, Frankly, a lot of a lot of more more pain every year. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm not a particular optimist in 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 that space. Um, what I'm going to guess that you're not going to say that about all weeklies, but like what what do you, what do you, how will all weeklies look different in in a few years and that they do now? What are the the trends that you see bubbling up that um, could could shape what they look like? You know, for example, do you think that that going online only will make sense for anybody? Are there any like real big shifts that we might see? I think I think you might see that. I mean, I I, th- I think it's highly possible that you know your alt weekly might might be in your pocket with your phone. You know, in some markets where you know where that's appropriate. In others, I think you're going to continue to see you know the um, the the racks in the coffee shops, which is you know I think uh, very comforting to a lot of people out there, whether or not they want to admit it. Um, as far as as the you know the predictions go, I think that. Uh, and I'm not, you know, it's not just just me kind of pulling it out of thin air. You know, Burrell, Forrester, all of the major research is saying that the local advertising spend is here. That that we've got to look back to local. Well, there's nobody else that that has the local markets, you know, across the board like we do. And I think if we figure out how to pull in the right digital tools to really make the most of um, the relationships that we have and the trust and the brand that we have within the, within the, um, this, you know, the, the, especially the smaller to medium markets, you know, I, I think we're going to, I think we're going to win. And yes, I am an optimist. It's, you know, and, and I always will be. Um, I refuse to, to, to believe that, that the media really is dying. I think it's just shifting. You know, I, I mean, I think, yes, are we in a, in a major shift? Yeah. But I mean, I wouldn't be here talking to you, putting, putting all this energy into, into thinking about the locals and the, and the alts, if I didn't really believe that they've got a shot at, at, at winning that. Yeah. Well, I certainly hope that you're correct. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for talking to me. Appreciate it. All right. Thank you. Well, that's episode 10 of Press Publish. Hope you enjoyed it. My thanks to Tiffany for the conversation. You can find her on Twitter at Tiffany Shack. Learn more about the AAN at altweeklies.com. If you like our show, I hope you subscribe. You can find us on iTunes or on iTunes U or through RSS, or you can check us out every week on SoundCloud. The Neiman Journalism Lab is a project of the Neiman Foundation for Journalism at Harvard University, home of the Neiman Fellowships, Neiman Reports Magazine, Neiman Storyboard, and much, much more. Find us at neiman.harvard.edu, and that is N-I-E-M-A-N, not like Neiman Marcus. This episode was recorded at Walter Lippmann House. Walter Lippmann, who said, Every fairly intelligent person is aware that the price of respectability is a muffled soul bent on the trivial and the mediocre. 
Our theme music again is Missing You by Trash 80. Check back next week for another episode of Press Publish. But until then, always remember, disrupt yourself before someone else disrupts you.